0: September thirteen. Pay little heed to people's opinions, even to your own. Truth is not a matter of opinion. Truth simply is. This is a very um, important and interesting point that Swamiji is making here that in in normal uh, discourse in a Western society, we tend not to analyze these differences quite so clearly. Um, truth and opinion we don't really think about all that much. But the distinction between them is absolutely enormous and from a spiritual perspective is completely essential. I had this experience many years ago. There was a brief period of time when I was living at Ananda Village. I lived at Ananda Village for 16 years. That wasn't brief, but there was a brief period of time when I lived there when some of us took up playing racquetball and uh, we would go into town. Several couples would go in and we'd play together. It was actually quite a lot of fun, and there was a a health club there that had the racquetball courts, because that's not something you can do on your own, which is eventually why we stopped playing, because it was inconvenient. But uh, as part of the evening in, when we would play, there was a a hot tub uh, where people came in their bathing suits, and there were men and women. It was just sort of a social scene, and I remember one of the times after a game, sitting in that hot tub, and there was a, a mother and her daughter, and the daughter was about nine. And and uh, it, you know, it was just the local town, the wide variety of people there. And we were just chatting in the hot tub, total strangers. And so we were talking about what we were doing, which was sitting in the hot water. And the woman... Uh, sort of uh, was the kind of person you could see who always managed to find something wrong with whatever was happening. So she said, you know, hot tubs are nice, but I prefer the dry heat of a sauna, she said like that. And then her little girl, who was sort of watching the conversation like this, you know, looked up at her mother, and then the little girl said in just exactly the same vibration as her mother, I prefer the dry heat of a sauna too, just like that. And I looked at this child, and I I just, I can't say it was super conscious. I think it was just a projection of my dismay at the human condition. And I saw this woman growing up. I saw her being a teenager, and I saw her friends saying, hey, let's go over to the health couple. Let's go sit in the hot tub. Well, all right, you know, but I prefer the dry heat of a sauna, she's going to say. Then she gets married. Her husband wants to have a hot tub. You always do what you want. I prefer the dry heat of a sauna (laughs) like this. And never in any of that process would she stop and actually think about that. It would just be something she just literally took in with her mother's milk. And this is my point of view. As I always say, From the time I was a little child, I preferred the dry heat of a sauna. I mean, I don't even know if she knew what she was talking about. Did she ever actually try it? It, It's just, but that is like an egregious example, but I don't think um, the examples of my own life are any less egregious. At some point in the process of being a human being, we get hurt, we get inspired, we get praised, we get criticized, we, have, we get humiliated, you know, we feel triumphant and over something that happens. And then that becomes fixed in our minds as the way things should be, is the way I want them to be, is the way I always say they should be. And often, we never, ever, ever stop and ask ourselves the question as to whether or not this was a good idea. I remember when I was talking to a friend of mine, a highly educated uh, Episcopal priest. He had a, a undergraduate degree from Stanford and graduate degrees from Yale in divinity and theological studies. You know it wasn't seminary, but it was that kind of learning. Um, he was a highly regarded, high position in his church. You no, know, everything that was really good. And he became a Krioban. We became very good friends. Often when I had complicated questions about the Bible, I would contact him because his knowledge of the Bible was so much greater than mine, of course. So I asked him some question. I I actually think it had to do with communities because I noticed when reading the Acts of the Apostles that one of the first things that the disciples did after Jesus died, is they formed, them, formed themselves into small cooperative communities. There's even stories about everybody giving, they became communal, everybody gave all their goods into the cooperative so that they could all live together. There's a story about a couple that withheld, that pretended to give their all their resources, but withheld a substantial portion and lied about it, and they actually dropped dead instead of St in front of St. Paul because of their transgressions against the Lord. So community was pretty serious. Nothing like that ever happens at Ananda. You, you should know. We keep our own resources and nobody has ever dropped dead for having said the wrong thing. I promise you it's never happened. So in any case, I became interested in the subject of, I, th- I thought, my goodness, did Jesus teach cooperative communities? Was he just like Master who came to establish small world brotherhood communities? So anyway, I think that was the question. So I got into a conversation with my friend, the priest, and we were just talking about various aspects of the Bible, and various things he was presenting did not resonate. He was more knowledgeable about the Bible, but much some of what he was asserting did not resonate with the teachings of self-realization. And I know that everything that Jesus taught and intended was completely consistent with Sanat and Dharma. So uh, at a certain point, my friend, the priest said, well, you see, the full teaching, the full revelation of the teaching of Jesus did not come for several centuries. It took several centuries for the full revelation of Jesus's teachings to be brought forth. And I said, are you listening to yourself? He sort of looked a little puzzled. I said, Jesus was a fully God-realized master. And my friend had no question about this. I said, he was an avatar. He was one with the infinite. You mean he didn't know his own teaching, that it took several centuries of what? Oh, let me guess, church authority to figure out what Jesus actually meant? Don't you think there's something a little backwards about this? Because what actually happens is, The avatar brings revelation, which is a direct experience of God, and through his power is able to convey that revelation, uh, hopefully, at least to the disciples with whom he leaves the responsibility for his teaching, and all through history to all those who can rise to his level, which are the saints um, in all religious traditions, which is why in his book Revelations of Christ. I always want to pull the book out, but I don't see it behind me. Revelations of Christ. The entire premise of that book, which was written by Swamiji, is that there is one authority for for the for religious for spiritual teachings, and that is the saints, those who share, share the consciousness of the Avatar who had the original revelation, and all the theologians, all the historians, all the scholars all the church authorities, all the novelists who try to say something else, it's just opinion. It's not the truth of the revelation, it's the opinion. So going back to my priest friend, I said, really, centuries of church authority gradually knew something that Jesus himself didn't know. Fortunately, my friend had a good sense of humor, which is why I could speak to him like that. He laughed, looked very rueful. He might have made some reference to his theology degree from Yale, (laughs) or maybe I did. Then he said, my my life was simpler before I met you, is what he said. (laughs) I said, yes, but it wasn't as much fun, was it? He said, no, it wasn't as much fun. (laughs) So you see, that's what happens. Truth is very simple and it's very high, meaning it's very elevated and it's exceedingly demanding, and it, it's, not, it's not a popular vote. And then we form all these opinions. And it's all right to have opinions as long as you can tell the difference. So that when truth challenges your opinion, you don't just defend your opinion. But we stop and we think, huh, I wonder what really is true. Which my friend the priest, he was wonderful. Because, I mean, he was an authority in his church. People came to him for the kind of answers to the questions he was answering me. And he just spouted out and got a lot of respect for what he just said to me. But he was an honest man and a very sincere devotee. So even though he'd spent decades building up those opinions, he'd learned something new from Master. And he was willing to put his opinion forward and then see how it related to truth. Because truth simply is. Swamiji made a very interesting statement lately. This is being recorded in July 2020 and, um, the, in the USA, in California. And our country's in uh, kind of chaos at this point, and there's a tremendous amount of confusion right now. I believe it's global, but it's certainly happening here. Just as what it, what's true and we have political leadership that has, has just developed a very random attitude toward what's true. What's true is whatever is declared to be true, and everything else is considered, and I love the phrase, fake news. <laughs> well, I myself, I have to add, starting when I was, um, it was when I was a hippie back in the 1965 era, 66 era, and I was actually I was actually personally involved in something that was outside the mainstream, and that was the first time that I would see things reported in the paper that I had directly experienced, and I was able to see the difference between what I had experienced and what was reported, and that was the first time I began to wonder how much of what I see reported that I haven't experienced myself is true, and how much of it is just what's used the word spin. And then I was caught up with Ananda in uh, a very complicated piece of litigation, which was litigated as much in the media as it was in the courts, very badly and very dishonestly in both places as it happened. Ananda was involved in two litigations. One of them was very honest and had a lot of integrity because of the judge, and the second was not honest and did not have integrity because of the judge. But once again, I realized, oh, there's a lot People can just spin things any way they want, print it in the paper, and the internet now is just a free-for-all. But Swamiji had a very interesting point which was different in talking about the USA. People here have become very committed to democracy and therefore we vote and after we vote, the vote, the majority vote decides what's going to happen next, decides in a very sense what's true at that point. And intuitively, whether whether it's conscious or not, intuitively, people know that there are transcendent realities that cannot be voted in and out, that are not a question of popular opinion. It just simply is. There are, there are divine laws. We know there are physical laws, because you can put your hand in a fire and burn it. But there's also divine laws, and I don't mean the Lord God declareth, and you will be punished if. There are divine laws, which are divine because it's the way that we were made. And you know, this is a long subject in itself. But there are ways that we are made. Selfishness leads to unhappiness. Abusing your physical body leads to disease. Anger leads to to mental and physical consequences. These are just divine laws. And you can insist on your opinion all you want, but truth is truth. And it isn't a matter of religion. What happened, speaking of my priest, revelation becomes religion. Revelation is direct experience. Religion is people's opinion. And, but revelation is different. Revelation, revelation is perceived. So the fact <coughs> that we vote truth in and out of popularity, Swamiji commented, has caused us to lose respect for truth itself. And these ideas gain energy. And that's exactly what's happened to our whole society. Now we just, we live in the age of of truth being random. And what happens when you do that? Well, this you know, just this, the chaotic confusion that we're in. But fortunately, revelation is not touched by opinion. And our solution is very simple, which is to heed that inner voice of truth and shift first individually, and then by God's grace, I pray, society as a whole back into harmony not with religion and not with opinion and not with politics, but with Sanatana Dharma, with that which is. Pay little heed to people's opinions, even to your own. Truth is not a matter of opinion. Truth simply is. Joy to you.